Welcome to the Scottish podcast by Scottish people about Scottish things. We are three lifelong friends and displaced Scotsmen who get together to talk about our homeland, the weird shit that happens there, and to remind us why we are the way we are. Welcome to This Will Do Nicely. Welcome to today's story with Rory. Today we're going to be talking about the Highland Games, and I have two experts on the topic with me today. I'm joined by Johnny, the Highland Flinger Naismith, and Chris, the Cable Crusher Irvin. Welcome, gentlemen. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Do you uh, do you like the Highland Games names I gave you? Loved it. Yeah. Cable like Crusher. I think Cable Crusher sounds like I've had a wedgie, but. <laughs> But yeah, well, our, that's our that's what that's that's what you're known for. I do like it. Yeah, yeah. No, I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> uh, so, <clears throat> tell me, uh, Chris, when was the last time you tossed your own caber? <laughs> uh, I I know you've got you've got a, a young son in the house these days, so you probably don't get the chance to do it as much. But uh, well, my you know, I mean. My son is nearly ten months old, so should we say uh what's nine months plus ten months? Uh <laughs> just to be diplomatic, let's do that. I mean Johnny, you, you live by yourself, so you must be tossing a cable all over the place. <laughs> literally just before this, actually. Scan <laughs> in the practice. Uh... Yeah, I know. I get it. Well, uh, all right. So I wanted to start you gents off with some Highland Games facts today. Uh, so have you, you even told? You have you even all. told our millions of <laughs> listeners that this is what we're going to do today? We're going to talk about that. You just went straight in for a masturbation joke, and you didn't even say what we were going to talk about. It's going to be nothing I, but I innuendo s- throughout the whole thing. Today we're, we're going to talk about the topic. Today we're going to talk about masturbation in Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> Say the I mean, scene, look, Jesus we... Christ! Look, I like I, I mentioned it at least twice. It's it's fine. You're you're the caber crusher. Like, if they can't put two and two together, then I don't know what to tell you. Uh, look, do you want these facts? These true facts or not? I just want you to set out what the subject is, so that we can then put it in the description <laughs> for episode three. But you've just immediately gone for, you know, something uncouth. That's not what Scotland's about. <laughs> I I strongly, strongly disagree. I spent the entirety of my life there, and it is very, very much about wanking. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I don't mean to offend you. I apologize. Yeah, so we're talking about the Highland Games today. The Highland Games are basically the Scottish Olympics is a nice way of describing it, I guess. It's uh, you know a gathering of athletes and musicians dancers, performers, artists, uh, they compete and celebrate Highland traditions and culture. Um, it, it's kind of like a fair or a farmer's market meets village fet meets, like I said, kind of like a local Olympic sports day thing, but is become much, much bigger than just the Highlands in Scotland, beyond Britain. It is now an entirely global affair where there are Highland games literally all over the world. Um, what do you what do you guys know about the Highland games? Have you ever been to one? Uh, yeah, I, uh, I've, I've been to a couple. Um, when I was younger, there was a sort of park 
relatively near where the three of us lived, um, where there was a sort Parklands, if you guys remember, the the country club up the road. There was a sort of hill where normally it was a um, couple of football pitches or soccer pitches for those less educated. Uh, But uh, during the... (laughs) That period, there was there was a there was a Highland Games. I don't remember, think it was every year. I don't, I think it was only a couple times. Um, but yeah, I, I've I've been there. I've experienced it. But I get the impression that it was probably pretty tame compared to some of the other ones that are out there. Um, um, but yeah, I, I have a feeling the one in Parklands, uh, up the road from from you, might have been a, a just a, maybe a small one. I'm not saying it was any less important, just no, it felt less important. Definitely less less, less Highlands for sure. Yeah. Johnny, what about you? Did you have you been to? A, <laughs> I've a been Highland to. A I've been to one? some, I think, but so we used to holiday quite a lot in like further north in Scotland, like Aviemore and Carbridge and Nethybridge. And I, I know they have fairly regular ones. I mean, I, I don't remember a lot about them beyond the things that get the headlines, like tossing the caper, obviously. Mm. But I do, they sort of felt like a gathering of things, which was always quite nice, like the community coming together and, you know. Yeah, and I think that's what it, like a lot of it is. It, like from, from reading about it, and, and personally, I, I don't remember actually ever going to one. I know about it, and I remember pretending to co- toss the caper when I was a wee boy and, mm. you know, putting the stone and all that type of stuff but I, I don't think i was ever actually at a highland games um which seems weird considering like my family were pretty into the traditional stuff my mom especially i i thought that would be something she'd be into but it, it apparently not but i mean like so from what i can read it, it can be broken down into like four main sections there's the athletic events there's the music there's the dancing and then there's the you know what you're referring to johnny the cultural celebration um and like i think mainly we'll probably talk about the athletic events because the music uh you know with the pipes kind of go beyond the highland games and i think we would probably eventually talk about uh, scottish music and pipes and and all that type of stuff in its own show at some point um so i don't want to get into that too much uh the dancing is probably the same thing you know the dancing um it is unique to the highland games in the sense of like it's not the it's not a Kaylee, it's not scottish country dancing it is highland dancing and it's these days for a lot of people as important if not more important during the highland games but um i I do think that's something we would want to probably talk about by itself as part of like a a larger scottish music or dancing Mm. um the dancing is competitive about it right like they compete oh yeah yeah well it's weird like one of my friends here in new york uh, i I know her from louisiana uh she went to college with my partner and she we bonded basically over the fact that she'd gone to scotland a few times to do scottish dancing to do highland dancing and she competes uh or at least used to compete kind of all around america in ireland and scotland um it's bizarre like uh, our next, so yeah um, like it is guest appearance then when we talk about scottish country dancing yeah, I think if we're going to talk about it, we would need to have her on genuinely. But well, we are talking about it, so we've we've really missed an opportunity. There. <laughs> we're just we're just touching on it, Chris. It's different. It's all right. All right. But yeah, so I don't I don't know what like 
get into those two too much. The cultural celebration is kind of generic, you know, it's like food and art and, you know, literal dog and pony shows. There's times where they have like car shows and they have like, they celebrate local artists, like I said, and all that type of stuff. Like it's that, that's fairly generic to, you know, country fairs and, and Renaissance fairs. I think they have here, that sort of thing. Um, it's just kind of a celebration of everything Scottish. Um, and it's things that we will eventually talk about on another episode. So the main things, like I said, the ones that are uniquely uh, associated with the Highland Games are the athletic events or the heavies, as they're also known as. Do you guys know any like anything about the, the history of the games or you know uh, where they came from i know very little i mean I, i'm sure there's some history around fighting and armies and training i can imagine um but i mean beyond yeah. just what you see at them of like people throwing heavy things that's about it <laughs> to be honest i think i think that's part of it like everybody know oh not everybody but like you can trace the history of say football or or american football or rugby or anything else but like the Highland Games and the, the the heavies, the throwing events especially, are so for want of a better word, basic that they it's like it's like trying to trace the history of running or the long jump or something. It's definitely just one of those things like, you know, there was a long time ago, centuries ago, like Jimmy was like, I bet you can't throw that stone further than I can and then that's that's how like putting the stone turn up. Isn't that a scene in Braveheart? Like we just <laughs> we found out that that doesn't necessarily mean it happened in real life though. So to know, I mean, yeah. If we're gonna have any sort of continuity in this podcast, I'm just saying that that's literally a scene in Braveheart where Mel Gibson's like, "I don't think you can throw this uh, over my head." But I do think, like, to give them credit where credit's due, I do think that's where it came from. <clears throat> is just two probably drunk Scotsmen just trying to throw a stone further than the other one. Isn't that where all the best games come from, though? Right, exactly, exactly. And that's why, like, the, the, the history of it is related to a variety of different things. Like, there's one legend that King Malcolm III, in, like, the 11th century, he needed a messenger, and so he gathered all the best fighters and and most athletic men from all the the surrounding clans and he said like whoever can run up the hill fat like quickest you will be my messenger and it's just i i do think that's more of folklore and to give it more gravitas than it actually is i do think it's just over time like you you know we we all do the same thing as just we boys like we will just try and if you get a big thing we'll just try and beat the other person at throwing it far away or throwing, throwing it, it high away. or whatever else. Yeah, exactly. And I usually, think usually just, to ruin it for everybody else. Yeah, eventually until somebody gets hurt and then has to go home crying. Yeah. yeah. And I I there's an element of that in the Highland games as well. Um But are they, but that they is, I, maybe they're so exposed how little I know about them. Presumably there's a mixture of like disciplines, right? Because there's the ones that get all the attention are like lifting throwing chucking stuff but like presumably there's other there's like races and things that happen as well right 
Yeah, yeah. And I'll I'll go into the details of the the heavies, but yeah, you're right. There's like there's bike races, there's running races, there's uh tug of war is a big thing. What else? There's like even kids' events. There's like kids do sack races and wrestling, they do the hill run, there's axe throwing at certain events, all that type of stuff. It's all kind of it, it is that like gathering of the the community gathering of the culture celebrating whatever the local culture is and that's what's interesting we'll probably talk about them later on but like the american games or the french games or the german games which are all highland games still and they still do highland game events but they just put their little cultural twist on and that's i think the the what's what makes them interesting and what makes them so appealing to so many people but yeah, I mean, like, just to give a little bit more background on the history, you know, they, they've been around for ages. Obviously, the events date back to essentially before um, history. Um, the oldest games, I know that doesn't really make sense, but you know <laughs> what I mean. Uh, the oldest games is in uh, Circe Fife, um, which dates back to like 1314. Um, and it was apparently, well, if you want to link it back to our last episode, this might be a slightly better one, but apparently one of the first recorded games, Highland games, was after the Battle of Bannockburn, which is the battle that Robert the Bruce won during the Wars of Independence. Um, so he basically was like, yeah, let's go and have the, the Highland games in order to celebrate this victory. Yeah, he just wanted a massive party that at some point when half the people there were hammered, were like, I bet you you can't throw a log <laughs> past my can, and if you do, I'll challenge you to a tug of war, and if you can't do a tug of war, then I'll just, I'll dance. That, <laughs> yes. Yes. I think that is as accurate as any other historical record. Like, that is genuinely what happened. I, so like that was the first one that that's that Kylan game still happens to these this day um which i think is pretty cool it's like the longest running one in the world uh right now and then it had a bit of a resurgence after the jacobite rebellion which is going to be we'll, we'll eventually have to do an entire show in the jacobite rebellion because it really defines what we know Scotland to be today and the traditions that we hold and the patriotism that we hold because I don't want to dig into it too much but it was around that was like Bonnie Prince Charlie that was the Battle of Culloden um, that then turned into essentially uh, you know the the Highland clearances um, Tartan was banned for a while bagpipes were banned for a while it was very much like a, a blight on Scottish history. And then once those bans were lift, people kind of came back uh, with a vengeance and tartan and pipes and anything Scottish became very fashionable in like the late 1700s, the early 1800s. Um, and that's what kind of created this resurgence of the Highland Games, um, the, the more modern Highland Games as we know them to be. Um, so, but we'll talk about the Jacobite Rebellion and, and Bonnie Prince Charlie at some point in the future. But that's where they became that. And then, <clears throat> one of the interesting things I was reading about the history is um, they did apparently influence what would become the the modern Olympics. Baron Pierre de Coubertin, 
uh, I'm obviously mispronouncing his very French name, but um, <laughs> thanks. Yeah, I'm classically trained. Uh, but so apparently he was visiting the World's Fair in Paris in 1889, and he was so inspired by seeing the Highland Games there. Uh, so basically, like it was part of what they would do, they would they would tour the Highland Games. The World's Fair would have uh, a little event that would show off Scottish culture, and part of that was the Highland Games. Baron Pierre de Coubertin, he was so enamored by seeing the the highland games at the paris world fair uh that he 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 basically saw this event and it was like yeah people can gather they can do some sort of sporting events together um this is something that can work he took then the idea of the ancient olympics and then combined it with what he saw in the uh, paris world fair and made what we consider as the the modern olympics and then like i'm going to talk about in a wee bit like you can see that certain events were taken directly from the the highland games specifically like the the putton the stone or the shot putt as we we refer to it now but i can i can totally imagine the scottish contingent turning up to the uh world's fair you know badly signposted they haven't brought any paper they haven't printed anything and this french guy comes full up. of whiskey it's just a bunch it's like three or four guys in a kilt just throwing stuff around because they're bored <laughs> And the French guy's like, this is unbelievable. Never been south of Sterlin. This is unbelievable. What is this game? And the Scottish guys are like, uh, aye, it's, uh, right. What you do is you, <laughs> right, you got a, you got a stone. You got a stone that's four pounds and, uh, you put it on your shoulder and, and you just chuck it. Uh, and whoever gets it wins. Uh, and then the other one is you, you get a log, a tree. You get a tree and you just chuck it. There seems to be a lot of chucking going on in this uh, game. <laughs> uh, well, listen, pal. You know, put your cigarette out and sharp and just watch us because this is the future. <laughs> <laughs> I. It, it's honestly your grasp of history is one of the things that has just really surprised me and delighted me <laughs> doing this podcast with My you. My teachers at school would be very proud of me. I just, would be I just love impressed. the idea that the Highland Games is effectively a very elaborate pub sport. It's like just looking yeah. around the room, going, "Oh, we should, we should do darts next." That I mean, seriously, be Johnny, it is. I mean, look, yeah. look at look at the main games. It's is definitely a pub sport. Yeah, chuck stuff, yeah. Yeah. run around. Yeah. Dance but like, what we're going to do is like five of you guys and five of you guys get on the other side, and we're going to get a rope and we're going to tug it, <laughs> and whoever gets it over this line, it gets the next round. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, it, it's it's 100% just like ancient pub games It's and it's lasted for literally centuries and then spread around the world it's honestly it makes me kind of proud to be Scottish um, but we should talk about what the actual events are like when you talk about heavy, yeah, the heavy section like what they actually are cause so the, the, the important what are they called like the uniquely Highland game events uh, so they're basically eight of them so I'll start with the hammer throw the hammer throw is specifically the Scottish hammer throw because there is a hammer throw in the Olympics and it's on a chain uh, the Scottish hammer throw is a weight on the end of a stick kind of similar to a sledgehammer you have to stand with your back to the trig the trig's like um 
the toe line, basically. It's the line that you're not able to go over. Uh, you have to stand completely still with your back to it. You swing the hammer around and then you chuck it as far as you can. That's basically it. I would recommend Googling it because, like YouTubing it because it is like genuinely incredibly impressive. That is two events. So they do a lightweight and they do a heavyweight. Um, is the, the heavyweight is, is the lightweight done with just a small screwdriver? <laughs> well, often it was it's... translated into a welly, was it not, in school? <laughs> yeah, I think we did the welly throw, yeah. right? The 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 small weight is just a black and decker hammer. Uh, is it really? The, is it seriously black and no. decker? <laughs> no, it's like sixteen pounds. Uh, and then the the heavy is like twenty two. You know, like the I don't know, like a large terrier. That's no, um, that's like one of, one of my children. Right, exactly. Wait, how many children do you have? <laughs> well, he's tw- he's twenty two pounds. So you know. It is your child. Yeah, we could just. It's like yeah, put him, put him in, put him in a little helmet, and I guess attach him to the end of a stick. Yeah, and just go for it. Throw him as far as you can. Yeah, Yeah. he'd love it. He would love it. He'd he'd survive. He'd bounce. You know that. Definitely survive. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So that's that's the hammer throw, putting the stone. Similar to the shot putt or the heavy stone, there are, again, a light and a heavy with this. There's two ways of throwing this. There's a Braemar stone, which is a standing still throw. Um, You can't move. You just have to throw it. Uh, It's one-handed from the shoulder. Like Basically, the only rule is you have to keep it in the nape of the neck and then just launch it. Uh, The open throw is basically you can do whatever you want, but the only rule is you have to keep it in the nape of the neck. So that's basically the modern day shot putt. Yeah, it's more similar to the modern day shot putt, exactly. Um, Again, it's one-handed, all that type of stuff. Um, From what I was seeing, like the stone weights aren't actually standardized, which is a bit bizarre. They like vary between like 20 to 26 pound um, because... I don't know, and I might be wrong with this, um, but it does seem that certain games, they basically just find a nearby stone that fits the bill, and they're like, this is what we're throwing today. Which Are you saying that they're, they're winging? Amazing. Very much so, yeah. <laughs> Very common thing um, emerging in this. And so are some, are any of them known, like is there certain games around Scotland that are known for being more challenging than others? Like, does, is there a sort of circuit of like, oh, I beat the Glasgow ones because that was the hard one or whatever? Uh, no, because I don't think it differs that much. Um, I do think it's a fairly, it's not like it's like a challenge to go to certain ones. It's more, you just do them all and certain ones are more famous or more historical or whatever than others. Right. Um, yeah, I don't think you're going to go and find one that's like, oh fuck, I can't even lift the stone. (laughs) Um, but we'll get onto that with the caber because there's an interesting bit in the rules of what that if there's ever like a bit. sword in the stone are they able to throw <laughs> that one it's a it's a small stone a 22 pound is really small it would have to be a dagger dagger in the stone maybe like a butter knife or something technicality yeah i mean like if you pull a butter knife from the stone you might be king of wells able yeah <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, shots fired shots i'm fired. king of wales now you see i've taken a butter <laughs> knife out of a stone isn't it? <laughs> oh man, we're gonna get some shit from the, <laughs> the Welsh podcast know, like, raging. 
Yeah, the Leak Us Alone podcast. Um, the <laughs> oh, man, copyright Rory Angus. Leak Us Alone is amazing. That was good. Uh, all right. So the next event. So so basically, we've got like two stone events, two hammer events, um, and then you have the weight for distance. So again, you've got light and heavy for this. Uh, it is exactly what it says in the tin you are chucking away as far away as possible um but hang on throw wait, wait, aren't you already doing that for the uh hammer throw and the other two events that you just it's mentioned. just a different What's shape the way i think it's a yeah. different shape yeah it's exactly just like Come a on. theme here yeah yeah but what is the shot putt versus the javelin you're just still throwing something far away they're just a different shape is so is this a javelin no it's a weight on a, a small chain. Right. Okay. You don't have to keep it in your neck either. <laughs> Isn't there also technique? one where they... I'm sure I've seen one where they have to throw it a different height. There's like a... Yeah, yeah. We're, gonna, we're getting oh, sorry, on to that. Sorry. This is a weight for distance. Then okay. we're going to get on to weight for height. So weight for distance is like... It's, it's like a kettlebell. This looks like a kettlebell, basically. And you you have it on like a wee chain, like um, one or two links. And then it's one-handed... This is the one where they spin round and then they chuck it as far as they can. And again, it's like 28 pounds or 56 pounds. So it's the equivalent of throwing like uh, an Irish terrier or like an eight-year-old child, basically. How many pounds did you say there? 50 pounds? 28 or 56. I mean, how do you know how much an eight-year-old child weighs? I'm guessing. Right, okay. (laughs) throwing them distance <laughs> i'm taking i'm taking my weight my age and then dividing work that until way. i get to it doesn't work that way <laughs> it's on a it's on one of those graphs that just kind of exponentially just goes up very quickly <laughs> the moment you hit 30 yeah just the moment, spikes, the yeah. moment you hit 30 you hit, immediately hit 200 pounds and then you're screwed for life yeah i don't know i'm, I'm estimating these these things it's, to be honest your bunk science this is why we're never going to get a coronavirus <laughs> vaccine <laughs> i wish i was in charge of that uh okay so johnny onto your favorite event the weight over bar um or weight for height as it's also known and that's basically where they do the one-handed throw it's the same same weight that th- there's no light or heavy with this it's just like how high you can get it uh, and it's 56 pounds um that they're gonna throw over a bar they can hit the bar uh, just so long as it goes over and it doesn't knock the bar over. Um, I think this event this is, is excellent because it's got like a slight danger factor where you're literally throwing this way pretty much directly up the way and then you have to move quite This quickly. is the type I, of I, event I, that you do after you've had about eight pints. The other the other <laughs> events are all kind of leading up to this one. Yeah, they're like two pint events. This is like two, yeah, yeah, towards two the end like, of the night. Can I throw this thing over a building? I've had three or four pints. <laughs> I can do that. But this one's like... I really think I can. I think I've got great coordination and I can do this. And where have my trousers gone? I <laughs> cannot agree more. Like if you watch this one, because they, they don't they don't stand away from the um, the bar as well. You have to get the, the maximum height. You have to basically stand underneath it. So there's that moment where it looks like it's just going to come down and hit them right in the head it's terrifying but amazing as well and they have to do a wee it's nice because they have to do a wee swing at the beginning and they swing it in between their legs 
uh, and they're all wearing because I never mentioned this, but during the Highland Games and most of the official Highland Games, you have to wear a kilt to be a competitor. Uh, so they're all wearing uh, kilts as well, and then just swinging this weight in between their legs, granny style, and then just throwing it what looks like just straight up in the air. It is impressive but terrifying as well. But it's 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 a fun one to watch. Um, the record for that, in fact, is currently held by uh, Halfor Bjornjonsson, uh, also known as the Mountain from Game of Thrones. Um, I don't know if you guys watch that, but he well, the world's has strongest thrown... man. Exactly. There's a lot of crossover between. Highland Games and the World's Strongest Man, and he set the record recently and threw the the fifty six pound weight nineteen and a half feet over uh, over the bar, which is why hugely why can't impressive. he go do his own thing in Norway? Like go get throw a reindeer twenty foot over a fjord. I mean, what's he doing coming and getting the Scottish Games? He he does that for training. Like the the number like that's how they keep the the deer population under control is Bjornsson throwing them at fort fjords and the poor things dying terrible terribly painful deaths. That's why they think Santa's real because they see a reindeer flying through the air. Uh-huh. Yeah, somebody at think nineteen about. and a half feet above the the land, the ground. Yeah, God bless your soul, comet. <laughs> so. Then we get on to the final and probably the most famous event of the Highland Games, which is the Caber Toss. If you don't know what the Caber Toss is, it's basically like throwing a giant telephone pole. It is much like that. It's essentially a shaved tree, tree, what are they called, Johnny? Like a trunk. Like a tree trunk. Trunk, yeah. thank you. Tree trunk. Uh, it's tapered. Uh, it's heavier at the top. Uh, and the, the aim of this particular game, like not game, but like event, is to flip it. It's not to get it as far as possible. Um, what you want to do is have as what I'm going to call clean a flip as possible. I didn't realize that. I thought it was to get it the furthest. <laughs> no. Like no, that. no, no! If you don't flip it, then you don't you don't get the points, basically. But like, so yeah. you you flip it, uh, or you try and flip it, and if you flip it, then they basically score you on the time that it lands in. So twelve o'clock is perfect. Uh, one minute past twelve, you're gonna lose a point. One minute before twelve, you're gonna lose a point, and so on and so forth. I got this. I don't know if you guys can hear, but I've got dog barking in the background, like yeah. literally. Ten floors below. There's nothing I can do about it. Because you're chucking. Potentially, because you were chucking in chuck there as far as possible. You don't. Well, I had to. You don't live with a dog. What's going on? I know it's outside. I'm gonna have to throw it very far away. Huh. Um, my dog. So my, I just want to floor? say that my dog, who I live with, is not made a sound. Uh, so he's very well that's trained. Co- that's because he's the perfect little dog. Yeah, he's been. That's why he's been limping a lot right now. I think he's. Yeah. I'm gonna to have to caber toss, for, caber toss him to the vet. Is he is he okay or is it just attention seeking? It's both. It's both. Um, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um. So, like I said, it's a tapered log that they have to flip. You get points the closer you are to twelve o'clock. 
Um, you get three attempts to do it. There's a general size and weight, which is around 19 and a half feet. Uh, and then the weight is around 12 and a half stone. But again, like, uh, talking about pets, my cat's now trying to get into the other room. Give me a second. <sighs> Hopefully this really, all gets edited out. This is terrible. This is all staying in. I really it's thought we were going to take this in. thing seriously, but we'll see how it's going. No, it's all staying in. People people love it. Uh, all right, so they get three turns. You've got to try and flip it. The weight is 12 and a half stone. The length is about 19 and a half feet. But when you turn up at the day, it could differ. There's no trig, which means that there's no tow bar. There's no place that you have to throw it by, which means that when you watch it, like guys can run around in circles all over the place with their with the caber before they get into a spot where they have they they actually feel comfortable enough to flip it. It's genuinely like could that's you what could you run all the way so, to the finish line and then just drop it? Well, there's no finish there line. No finish it's not. Line. It's all about getting it like over and in the right position. It's not about how far you get it. All right. So you can run for ages, and they have like I've watched these videos of these men running in circles, running back and forth, and then eventually getting to a spot where they feel comfortable enough to try and flip it. And uh, there's quite good for judges a spectator, like a bit more excitement, right? <laughs> when you like, yeah, where, exactly. Where like, are they going to chuck a caber in my face? Yeah. Exactly. And, like, you get judges in certain positions and blah, blah, blah. But, like, the whole point is, like, it's all about building up to the caber toss. And that's what I liked about, I think I mentioned it earlier, like, the rules of it. When you read the rules, like, the, the, the intricate rules of the Highland Games, they mentioned that the caber should be a length and weight beyond the powers of all but the best athletes to turn. So it's like the truly like this is it. This is the pinnacle. Like no, no, like Tom, Dick, or Harry can come off the street and toss a caber. This has to be like the best of the best. And like when they get to this point, if they both hit twelve o'clock perfectly and the judges agree that that's what they do, they just split the pot. Like there's no world record for the caber toss because you can't get better than twelve o'clock. It's basically style points, it's right? All about it's like... the day, exactly. <laughs> And so that's what they talk about. Like, it's interesting because, like, how do you train for the caber toss? You can't, unless you live on like a ranch or a big farm or something, you don't have a caber in your back garden. Um, it's a difficult thing to go out and train for day in, day out. They say that the difference between the, the American Highland Games and the Scottish Highland Games is like the frequency of the Scottish ones, it eventually, like, as much as like the, there's a depth of, competitors in america and like there's a lot of like people that are into um you know being the weightlifters and, and being the strongest men and all that type of stuff but in scotland because you're doing day-to-day -day competitions it comes down to technique like you you're exhausted after like doing eight games back to back and so it all comes down to who has the stamina and the technique and that's more what the caber toss is obviously you need to be like a strong guy but like it's all about hitting that 12 o'clock and you have to be, you already have to be the best at everything else to get to it. I, I don't know. I just find it very interesting reading more about the caber toss because again, it just seemed like we were talking about like a pub game that, that got, you know, big. But now I like the idea of it. Like it's just like the no, true look, test of the like best, a man. The, be the best pub games get really elaborate. 
and the rules get very, yeah. very, very specific. So the caber toss, I maintain, is still a pub game, but it's just evolved to the point where, you know, if you nail a really good pub game and you you win it, then that level of satisfaction is very high. So the caber toss is definitely that. Yeah, and that's that's part of it. Is like um, it's the spectator side of it. That's why they build up to the caber toss as well. Is because it's a spectacle to watch. It just looks it's so silly looking, but it's so impressive at the same time. Like these men running around carrying this telephone pole and then trying to flip it over. Like it's, I I like it. I liked it a lot. It it, it made me appreciate it way more. So anyway, that's that's the events. That's the eight main events. And like I said, there's other ones. Like one of the most popular ones in America, and it's also like translated over to Scotland as well, is the sheaf toss, which is basically using a pitchfork to t- chuck a sack of hay over a bar. But it's not one of the more traditional ones. That's why I'm kind of skipping over it a little bit. But the crowds do love people it. compete throughout them? Like, do they go in for an event, or are they like are people going in to do all? or a series of the things yeah i mean like you get the same with so many other things like you've got guys that are really good at the hammer toss uh and you got guys that are really good at like putting the stone but like to be a good highland games competitor you should have that like all all roundedness you should be like the whatever it's going to be the octathlete is that right eight of them uh yeah. and so it tends to be and it's all big guys they they they're tend to be taller they're they're they sit around six foot and and like i keep saying guys it's very very popular with women uh and is growing in popularity amongst women as well um which is like brilliant is it, there's I was watching some, reading some article and then watching a couple of interviews of this one lady, uh, Michelle Crowhart, who's like 62 and still looking to try and be like the first in the world, like like take like the world championship and the world's Highland Games events. Um, but like, again, I'm referring to men a lot, but like they do tend to be bigger, they tend to be stronger and all that type of stuff. But a lot of it does come down to technique. It's just... I don't know. It's, it's 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 it got me way more interested in it than I ever have been in the past. Today, the games there's about sixty of them in Scotland. You know, there's about over two hundred events worldwide. Um, the the most famous uh, event is probably Braemar. That's the one that is attended by the Queen. Uh, it's been attended by royalty every year for the past. I think basically since the 1800s. That's the one when you always see the um, Queen and Prince Charles in the front row, both wearing kilts, uh, slapping each yeah. other's legs, pretending that they're having a joke. That is exactly it. Yeah. Yeah. She apparently loves the sack race and the caber toss. I'd like to think that the most recent one, the two of them would just be having a good old joke about Prince Andrew and uh, whether they need to get him out of the country quickly. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, like maybe toss him into the sea yeah yeah but yeah i mean like look that's that's it that's the the entirety of the games and like there's way more history there's way more like insider baseball about it and all that type of stuff like for me 
one of the the best parts about it so i started listening to a couple of podcasts about it i've read a bunch about it watched some youtube videos and it just seems really nice and i know it sounds silly but like the 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 community sounds lovely every like there was a a, one of the podcasts like i listened to a lot of uh life behind the trig um which is a couple of like scottish highland games competitors who decided to make the podcast because the games this year uh aren't happening because of covid and so they they created the podcast and it's just like listening to the highland accent is just lovely it's a beautiful accent like really nice man beautiful accent it really is and they were just talking about the fact like you know if there's a bad if there's a bad lad who uh, gets involved in the games we we root them out pretty quickly you know like we get <laughs> rid of them because because we don't like those types around and it just seems very very pleasant um but yeah, and it's also like it's growing a lot in America. I don't know if you guys like did you did you read anything about like the American games or anything like that? I read there's one big one in like the Appalachian Mountains or something like in the Blue Ridge Mountains that's one of the biggest abroad, but that's about as much as I know about it. I, I yeah, I mean, I'd it's... like to interject here. I I have done some research on it and if you would just you give got... me a minute to <laughs> you got facts throw my i've got several facts to throw into on, the ring um so these are all from various different sources and i will try and source them uh the first one is from scotland.org which says that the first highland games in the u.s happened in 1836 wow uh and then the caledonian club of san francisco held its first games in 1866 and boasts the oldest continuously running games in the USA. Uh, and apparently today, in addition to all the games across Scotland right now, there are more than 200 annual games and gatherings across the US and Canada. Do, do you know where the first games in America were held? I'm getting on that. I've got several other bits here. All right? <laughs> all right. Well, bear with me. Right. If you're building up to I've got this from so. the Finger Lakes... So- Celtic Society or Celtic Society? Uh, Probably Celtic. Celtic, whatever. Uh, So they say, as Scots immigrated, uh, tradition tells us that the games were held near Ellerby, North Carolina in the late 1700s, with most sources saying that the first games in the US were presented by Scottish immigrants living in Boston in 1853. Uh, then there's a whole bunch of other stuff going on. In 1861, at least three other Caledonian clubs had joined Boston, including New York, Philadelphia, and Newark, New Jersey. The Civil War then prevented all that stuff, and it just kept growing from there. Now, I'll just skip forward to some of the other stuff that I, I mean. Like, I, I guess I did a bit of research here. I get the two biggies, from what I can tell, are there is one in uh, North Carolina which is the Grandfather Mountain Highland Games. Uh, Rory, I don't know if you came across that one at all, um, but that's apparently one of the biggest ones. They're usually held in July, obviously because of coronavirus. They weren't held this year, um, but it's apparently a very big uh, game and it was voted one of the sort of top 10 events in the Southeast United States. 
yeah, I think that's the one that's like literally they attract the most people. It's the, the Highland Games because like Scotland, as much as like we have the history and the size of it, like we literally cannot fit that many people into our country. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whereas, so that's like, one. And and then uh, there's another one in uh, Pleasanton, uh, California, which is apparently the largest gathering and games in the Northern Hemisphere, which has been going on for 154 years. So, I mean, the people in the uh, US take this seriously. Yeah, it's it does seem... Cause, and again, going back to the, the Jacobite rebellion and like uh, the, the banning of like essentially everything that was traditionally Scottish, it, there was also part of that was people started getting kicked out of their, their houses and their land and they traveled around the world. Uh, and so it was at this like kind of peak time of uh, Scottish patriotism. People were traveling to America, they were traveling to France and to Germany and wherever else. And a lot of these people were from the Highlands because it was a part of the Highland clearances and they took the games with them. And I think that's why it is so big around the world but in such a niche way. It, it's it's interesting. It's, it's odd that it's not become a bigger thing. Like there's no, I think, global governing body but there's all these small events that grow up and have spontaneously been created around the country and around the world um and and because of that people kind of jump around to all these different events and it becomes like a mass like this this really tight-knit community well i i have i've got an idea to globalize it and to modernize it um because i think highland games you've clearly okay. pointed out that it was a basis for a lot of Olympic sports, old Olympics. The Greeks really did a number on us by getting the Olympics. But I think if we modernize the Highland Games, I've got various suggestions here, and I just want to run them past you. Uh, you think it can to, be bigger than the Olympics? I think if you know you guys agree with two or three of these events, just to kind of get the ball rolling on it, um, then we can monetize it, and we can leave this podcast behind, and we can just you know, go and do our own thing with these events so if you if if you well, can we become we can we become the modern version of wait wait i'll find his name again because i definitely didn't memorize it because it was too french to vince memorize. wait wait we could be the vince wait. mcmahon of, of baron this. pierre if, de Coubertin. You, know, you would just indulge me because i think i've got the communications chops to really make this a big thing i'm sold already i haven't even heard them yet so, look, we'll keep all the original events just for his, his, history's sake, and we can maybe combine that into one sort of octathlon, as you said, and we'll just make that a one event on their own, okay? But I'm just going to run through these. You guys can say yeah or nay. If you like them, they'll go into a new event. If you dislike them, you know, fine. Well, they'll, they'll be p tossed into the caber of history. Uh, so <laughs> the first one, Very good. the first one I've got is, uh, Tossing the waver, which is the caber toss, but it's in a giant wave pool. <laughs> okay. I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah. Okay. That would look, that would be really nice with the kilts kind of like floating on top of the water as well. Yeah. And I think you could probably get tartan. Uh, I just think it'd be a nice look. If you were a child or, uh, you know, like aren't they're called armbands in the UK. I think they're called waders here. I think that'd be quite uh, tasteful. Um, and you and there it would be a time limit as well because the wave machine would obviously go off after five minutes. Um, it'd be yeah, you know, be really quite yeah. dramatic. 
Uh, the second one is called uh, Fast Flash. So uh, see how quickly you can flash someone in your kilt. I mean, I mean, less competitive somehow. I'm just imagine it's going to happen anywhere. <laughs> it's like a, it's an after dark event, I suppose. Can I suggest instead of like how fast, like how many you can do in a certain time? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think you could yeah. probably do several intonations of it. One of them would be how quickly you could, like it's a hundred meter dash, and then the other ones would be you know distance. Uh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Like how far away you can flash somebody. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. The, the other yeah. one, uh, Rory, you're you're certainly familiar with this one. Uh, pub golf. Uh, you know, it's an it's an endurance <laughs> sport. game ever invented. Golf, obviously, yeah. being a Scottish sport. Drinking, obviously, also being a Scottish sport. Then, um, you know, you you could nine holes, eighteen holes. You could do whatever you want with it. But I think people, you know, the youngsters need to get involved. Um, well, just real quick, give the very basic rules of pub golf because it's an outstanding game. People would deserve to know how to play it. Yeah, well, the, the basic rules of pub golf are that you you have uh, nine or eighteen holes. The eighteen holes are usually uh, different pubs. They're different drinks, and you would have a par three, a par four, or a par five, and you would uh, depending on the drink. So if it's like a pint we're not, of we're not, Guinness, it'd be like a par three. Yeah, we're not advocating binge drinking here on this podcast i'm just saying if you do this you're you have to be a professional drinker drink responsibly be a professional drinker that knows what they're doing and maybe has their phone number written on their arm while they're doing it um anyway i'm gonna move on uh that one's (laughs) not gone gone up that well uh the next one is called uh i love it it's a great game next one's called uh farton and tartan uh, that's. I mean, you're done. You don't need that, to go any further. You don't have to explain it. <laughs> Who, it's made no, it. no, 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 no. I really do. Um, that's courtesy of my wife. She came up with that one. Uh, who can make the tartan blow uh, with their fart uh, on the kilt without destroying it? Because that's key. You can't. You don't want to destroy the uh, kilt there. But it's it's so you you have to fart and then the, the tartan needs to wave a little bit. Yeah, yeah. it's like biggest yeah. biggest yeah. uplift, smallest it, amount of damage. But it, can't go too far in that it can't you know it can be destroyed it's it's yeah, like it's a, it's a delicacy i get it in some yeah, ways yeah, yeah. um and i assume that there's like points deducted for skid marks or something along those lines yeah yeah it's it's yeah, all yeah. about touch yeah. it's, it's a game of touch it's lovely um yeah. it's quite tasteful uh we've also got uh train spotting which is is exactly the same as looking at trains but you're on heroin uh and, okay and the, the first just for the film train spotting where it's all about drugs uh so the first to correctly identify five trains while on heroin wins so drug testing is the opposite way for that sport whereas like you need to make sure you have enough drugs in your i system. would imagine that the train spotting event would be very niche and you wouldn't want to enter into any of the other sports which would be strictly anti-drugs this would be like, this would be like snowboarding in the Winter Olympics. For, <laughs> they're they're on almost exactly the same drugs there. It would at least have to be the last event. If you're doing all of them, sure. Then sure. You, you don't want to start with train spotting. Or or it could be Smacked like one of those tits. Olympic events where you do it two weeks before the actual Olympics, and then you get into the real thing, like the BMXing. No one cares about that. Just go do that. Yeah. Okay. The real niche ones. I've got two more. Um, Alexander Graham Hell, which is where you have you have to sit in a room with a Scottish person telling you about how they invented everything, 
until you can't take it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I don't. It doesn't make any sense because everybody loves those conversations. Yeah. Well. So again, that that's an endurance sport right there. Um, was that one also invented by your wife by any chance? No, I invented that one. That was me. That was oh, it was very <laughs> self-referential. Yeah. yeah. Uh, self-deprecating. But I mean, I used her as inspiration. Uh, and then the last one is <laughs> uh, is pug of war, which where you it's it's the same as tug of war, but you have a pug and you have to drag it across. <laughs> oh, <laughs> until you win or a or pug gets torn to shreds you're so, you're so proud of yourself with that one <laughs> never seen you look so happy about a joke i've just got the i mean i've got the, i've got the pug's eyes just in my head we're gonna get <laughs> we haven't even made it on just, the air yet and we're gonna get taken off <laughs> the chew toy between them that's amazing uh, I mean, look, I can't not greenlight every single one of them. The train spotting one's going to be difficult to get past the... Train spotting's going to be an absolute is... nightmare to get sponsors. Yeah, but like, it might be one of the underground ones, you know, uh, one of the street events, but I do, I still really like it. What's your favourite? Is it Fartin like is it, it and Tartan? Fartin and Tartan is just an outstanding name. Like, it really is. Pug of War is up there as well. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of good, a lot of good ones there. Uh, Johnny, do you think you would? Uh, do you think you would eventually like? Do you, like honestly, reading about this, getting into this a little bit, it kind of made me feel like I would want to just turn up at a Highland Games event and start, like, trying them, just have a go at it, like... Oh, man, my memory... So, I'm I'm similar to you. Like, I think I've only been to maybe one or two, if any. And, like, I think they've been quite small-scale ones. And you still find yourself being like, oh, I kind of want to give that a go. (laughs) And and I think that's the joy of them, is, like, they are sort of these community events that are very welcoming of people. And, actually, they're more about, like, a celebration of getting together than very serious competition so like I, th- I think there's something quite nice about everyone being like oh, I, I think I could probably do a bit of that which is kind of nice I think. Yeah it seems like there's certain events where you can just turn up and they will literally just pull you out of the crowd and be like you want to give it a go you want to throw this thing far away um, and let you do it and like it seems like if you want to get involved it's pretty easy to do um like you can just turn up to a local event you can give it a go you can ask them like all right how do i get involved like there's so many of them around scotland around america around the world that it's just like a case of like i said turning up and getting into it but i guess what i would just say we're at the point where we're probably wrapping up but i i would just say like if you want to get involved in it or maybe learn a little bit more i would definitely listen to that um life behind the trig podcast just Honestly, just listen to it before you go to sleep and just listen to the, the nice accents of the, the <laughs> Highlanders. Also, Netflix have just released a new show called Home Game. Um, and there's an episode on the uh, Highland Games as well. Uh, it's like the second episode, I think, which was nice. It was like it was fun to watch. It's got one of the guys from Life Behind the Trig as well. So I think there's a lot have of different... Got, have you got shares in Life Behind the Trig or something? I mean... <laughs> I just really liked it. Like, it was one of those things I was like, oh, I'll just get some information from it. And then I found myself listening to, like, every episode. They're just 
Why don't you go join their podcast? Are you trying to get on there or something? Yeah. No, because it would just be about Highland Games, and I don't know enough about it, unfortunately. I'm not. Should have got them on six foot something. I actually emailed one of the American Scottish societies asking if they would give us some questions and or answer some questions for us, and didn't hear back. Sadly. Well, you you don't. Yeah. I mean, don't have any sway these days. Yeah, you should have. Should have not emailed them five minutes before we started recording. No, I did it about five days ago. I got excited <laughs> about it, and then um, you they know. can maybe come on a future episode and just answer questions about I some other them, random subject. I sent them all my game ideas and asked if they would have an idea. <laughs> <laughs> Do these have any sway? I think the problem is like they probably don't translate as well when it's written down. Like it needs the, to be the subject uh, line was just farting and tartan question farting and tartan. <laughs> The uh, there was one. There's one guy. Uh, he seems to be predominantly about. Um, he's American, and he seems to be predominantly about weightlifting, and like he's the world's strongest man. But he was like two or three times world Highland Games champion. His name's Matt Vincent. He's on a bunch of podcasts, and he just does like uh, random episodes of other like tends to be like fitness podcasts. But he is. He went to LSU. I don't know exactly where he's born, but he's got this very, like, drawl American accent. And he's like, yeah, well, you know, I used to be able to throw, but I was pretty average at throwing. So then I just turned up to the, these uh, Highland game events and I started throwing. And I was pretty good at that. And, and I was just like, it, it was, again, he was just another, like, lovely man with a very nice accent. It just wasn't wasn't a Highland accent, but he was just very pleasant. Um, hey, you do you. Yeah. Anyway, I, I I think I'm done. I think I've told everything I I could tell about the Highland Games. It's a fairly broad uh, overview. Chris, have you got any other brilliant games or event ideas that you want to share with us? No, no, I thoughts? gave up all my game ideas, but I, I would love to go to uh, um, one of the biggies in the States. I think the Americans obviously always do it a bit better than the Brits when it comes to pomp. And well, I think um, I would say bigger. I think that'd be a, a fun uh, a fun weekend to go to one of the biggies, North Carolina or California or whatever. I mean, there's so many of them. In Canada as well. Um, Canada's massive. Uh, right? yeah. yeah, it'd be it'd be great fun, I'm sure. And especially when you know you realise that we'd be the only actual real Scottish people there, as opposed to. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that can be our first offsite uh, podcast. Maybe like yeah. live from yeah. Nice front, I love it, uh, Johnny. What about you? Any other thoughts? Uh, no, I'm. I mean, even in that, there's like five other bits of it that I'm kind of interested to get into. So, um, yeah, it's been good. So yeah, I mean, I guess I'll see you guys this weekend. We'll start throwing <laughs> some big things around, get into training for next year, and we'll turn up to North Carolina and just dominate. Is well, that look, what we're saying? As I've, as I've said, I've got the weight already with a. A twenty-two pound child, so I've or, I'm, I'm throwing him around, and yeah, I think uh, You're halfway yeah. there. Watch this space. Basically. Well, Johnny, then you take up the pipes. I'm going to take up the dancing. Chris, you can do the heavies. Uh, together, we'll just dominate the events. I like it. Yeah, I like it a lot. Uh, all right, this will do that. <laughs> Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's it. That's the end. <laughs> Uh, let's do that one more time. All right, this will do, lads. This will do nicely. A do 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 do
thanks for listening, everybody. Just a couple more things. Please don't forget to subscribe and review the podcast on iTunes and Spotify and all other podcasting apps. You can email us at thisldonicelypod at gmail.com. Visit the website thisldonicelypod.com. Visit us on Twitter at thistledopod. All original music in this podcast is written and performed by our very own Johnny Naismith. Please like and subscribe to his YouTube channel and follow him on Instagram at J-A-W underscore K-N-E-E underscore loves hugs and kisses from the Thistle Do Nicely pod.